0: Self help from the hip. Small We're talking that shit. Small dose. real. Small dose. So funky. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Small Doses. We haven't done a solo episode in a long time. And I was like, you know what? I need to get back to reconnecting with you all on a one on one energy vibration. So here we are. This episode. It's long overdue. And honestly, we're just like, wait a minute. How have we not done this episode? Because this is, this is essentially what the whole goddamn show is about. Side effects of feelings. Feelings. This episode is sparked from a number of different places. But I think the biggest thing that made me want to do this episode is the number of conversations I've been having with people in romantic relationships and also just with black men in particular um on where their own feelings are in adjacency to them and how those feelings and that juxtaposition has affected or have affected or continue to affect their certain life goals whether it be in business in relationships etc so it just felt like, you know what? Let's get to the bottom line of these fucking feelings. So let's do it. Jam dropping, jam dropping, jam dropping. we dropping on these hoes. So our jam dropping for this episode is emotional versus emotionally intelligent. Now, I think that when people hear the word emotional, there may be like a certain level of triggering that you all feel because people oftentimes try to use that word as like a negative or as something that is a bad thing. You've heard it so many times, like, oh, you're being emotional. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think being emotional is a bad thing. I think there's a time and place, but when it boils down to it, being emotional simply just means that you're giving in to your emotions about a situation and there's such a problematic nature with us saying like you're being emotional and labeling that as negative because not all emotions are problematic or toxic or negative but what happens is a lot of times people will try and weaponize your emotions against you because your emotions trigger emotions in them It may be emotions of shame in them. It may be emotions of abandonment in them. It may be emotions of insecurity, et cetera. But a lot of times when people are saying you're being emotional and that's a problem, what they're trying to do is silence you. What they're trying to do is prevent you from being honest about how you're being affected. And don't get me wrong. People love to say like, oh, so-and-so is a drama queen. Um, because they, you know, will speak their mind or they'll speak honestly about how things are affecting them. And that causes drama. And it's like, well, actually, no, the real drama that's being caused is, one, how those are presented, but two, how those are responded to. And that's where we get into emotional intelligence. Because emotional intelligence is knowing your emotions, not just having your emotions. And that is a very different thing. When we have emotions weaponized against us, we prevent ourselves from the space and the journey and the exploration of getting to know our emotions, getting to understand why we feel this way about certain things, knowing those triggers, knowing what traumas those triggers are attached to. And when we're not able to do that, it prevents us from not having the emotional intelligence about ourselves that allows us to, for what it's worth, be able to move in this world in a freer way because we are not being driven by the emotions of other people. I will tell you for a long time, my emotional intelligence I feel has been stunted because I was so easily affected by what other people were saying to me. And so my emotional response to those things just seemed like unwieldy, you know, and it seemed like, If I can't get a handle on that, then I'll never get a handle on like my own solidity. And if I can't get a handle on that, then how am I ever going to truly be content or happy or even manage this unwieldy life? My emotional intelligence journey has been in going to therapy, but also in applying affirmations and Reiki and boxing and really just deciding to allow myself to be more open with understanding why I respond to certain things a certain way. And the big breakthrough for me came in understanding that a lot of my emotional responses to things are not based on who I am at my core, but they're based on who I've had to become to protect my core. And in that emotional breakthrough of my own personal research, it has allowed me to have so much more understanding and control over my emotional responses to things. And when you're in control of yourself, It allows you to just feel safer in this world because you know that other people who may not have done that journey, who may not have done that exploration, who may not have done that personal research, that they cannot shake your emotional core. And I truly believe that our feelings are the language of our soul. Our feelings are the Sanskrit of our spirit. I know Brandon's laughing. And so it's so important that we allow ourselves to become emotionally intelligent because it really is just saying that we're learning the language of ourself. And we've talked about that in many different ways on this show, but it always comes back to it because it's how we communicate with the world, essentially. When I say our feelings are our spirit Sanskrit, it's our written language that speaks to how we are existing. So don't let people try to use your emotions against you. Instead, I encourage you to become literate in your emotions so that, I don't even wanna just say literate, become an expert at your emotions so that when you are dealing with the world, you're not letting the world tell you what you know of you. You are able to say, this is what I know, because this is what I've studied. And that always brings us back to confidence. And I just feel like when we are able to stand on our own too in any space, it allows us to also be able to be receptive of the things that can make us better and happier and higher in vibration. DMT, we're serving it. Not surprisingly, you all had some dope asked questions for these DMTs. I knew I it was gonna happen because everybody wants to talk about feelings, even though they don't want to talk about feelings, but everybody got feelings, and so they're like, I need to say some shit about these feelings. So let's talk about them. First question. How do you allow for the validity of someone else's feeling while also maintaining personal boundaries if their feelings are aggressive, hurtful, contradictory, et cetera? So this is a doozy because especially in a relationship, you walk the line of wanting to make sure that people feel seen and feel heard. But at the same time, if their feelings, which are being expressed to you are done so in a hurtful manner or in a way that is simply just not rooted in truth. It's like, how do you give them their space and acknowledge that, like, your space is valid at the same time as countering what they're saying? So, again, I'm not no master at this, but what I've come to really explore and understand is it's called giving space. And Basically, it just really boils down to being able to say, like, I regard or I acknowledge you without internalizing what they're saying. And I know for some people that is, actually, I would say for everybody, like, that's a practice. That's like some Kung Fu, like, you know, White Lotus shit to learn how to do because for what it's worth, we are pretty porous beings that take in things and when people say shit to you that is not valid you know that is undermining of your character or your actions etc like your natural response is defend because fuck being a porous being you're 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 an animal and that's like someone attacking you so you're going to defend well the matrix emotional intelligence neo of it all is being able to let someone speak their piece and practice a pause that doesn't immediately react to it. And what it is, is really just being able to listen with your ears and not immediately with your heart. That is a difficult thing. It is like, especially if you're dealing with someone you love. So that's why when we say like a lot of times people are listening to react, it's like, Like I've definitely found a certain level of freedom in being able to tell someone like, what you're doing is hurtful without letting it hurt me. And it's so freeing when you're able to do it. And you can't necessarily do it every time. You know, I'm not not, like at that Zen level, but just being able to say like, what you're doing right now is not okay. And this is why. And for some people that makes them even more irate that they're not getting an emotional response from you. And that's really the dance. You know, some people really are saying things because they want you to be emotionally responsive. They want to see you uh, react because that will make them feel heard. That you having an emotional outburst that is expressive in a way that makes them feel like they got to you is what makes them think that they have, you know, been able to really get to your understanding. I have definitely been in situations before where you just feel like someone is like, they just don't care because they're not responding emotionally and they're not. And when I say responding emotionally, I mean that they're not being emotive in a way that is expressively loud or, you know, has like tangible responses to it, like tears, et cetera. Like, you know, and and the truth of the matter is, is that emotion doesn't always have to be expressed in the same way for it to still be valuable, but this question of how to allow for the validity of someone else's feelings—it really, to me, is about just creating space and verbalizing and and creating space for conversation. Now, here's the thing: sometimes people don't want to have a conversation; they literally just want to say what they want to say, and that's when you have to really determine quickly. That's what you have to determine quickly. But I, but I will say that when when someone is really just trying to tell you what they think of you but not have a discussion of how what they think of you affects them it's really just about what they think of you that's not a conversation i'm interested in having cuz you're not really trying to get to a solution you're just trying to accuse you're just trying to um attack and there's no growth in that and really what it says is you don't give a fuck about my feelings That's really what that says. I'm going to tell you all about you. I don't care about what you think about it. And that's that. And I'll be the first to tell you I have had to learn over and over and over again, Um, especially in romantic relationships that like, yeah, that may be how you made me feel. And yeah, like this may be the truth. But am I expressing it to you without caring about your feelings? I'm just as bad as the behavior that I'm accusing you of. So, you know, fight fire with fire to me isn't about like, oh, you can't tell the truth when someone is telling the truth. Because sometimes that's what people try to tell you. Like, you're trying to fight fire with fire. It's like, no. Me being mean to you while you're being mean to me is one thing. But me expressing to you like, hey, what you're doing right now, that makes me feel this way. I acknowledge what you're saying, but I would appreciate if we can have this exchange in in a way that's good for both of us. like. That's not fighting fire with fire. That's just having grown up conversations. People let it have grown up sex, but they don't like to have grown up convos. <laughs> Next question. I've always been told I'm always in my feelings. You always in your feelings. I try so many ways to mask it, but find myself getting emotionally invested with people and then pissed when I don't get the same reaction or when they don't understand my point of view. I don't want to be a selfish person, so I close my feelings off. And taking everyone else's. I don't know. I'm 27 feeling like I'm 127 because of the weight of my feelings. I hear that. You might be an empath too. I don't think this is a question. Damn, they got me again. I mean, I guess I'll make it into a question. You know, is there value in masking your feelings if everyone tells you that you're always in your feelings? No. It's not about masking your feelings. It's about learning your feelings. And that understanding of your feelings and really like making a practice of that. I cannot stress enough about making yourself your passion project. You gotta learn the inner workings of you the same way that you would learn the inner workings of anything else that you're passionate about. You know, like if you love art, you're gonna learn about these artists, you're gonna learn about why they made these certain decisions, you're gonna learn about the mediums, you're gonna learn about the eras in which they created, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We simply do not apply that same level of expertise to understanding the inner workings of this thing right here. This brain is so complex and intricate. It really is a just incredibly sophisticated piece of wiring. And our emotions and our feelings are the uh, electric reactions that come when these wirings connect. And so in understanding that, you may say like, damn, I need to rewire certain things, but that doesn't mean you need to mask it. It's not about masking. It's about saying, maybe I need to just Rewire. So in this conversation, when you say that you find yourself getting into emotionally, you you find yourself getting too emotionally invested with people, and then pissed when you don't get the same reaction or understand your point of view, you have to understand. You have to look into why do you have that reaction? Why do you feel pissed when you don't get the reaction or they don't understand your point of view? Because that sounds like a symptom of abandonment issues, which a lot of us have. You know why is it that? When people don't respond to you the same way that you are presenting it to them, that you feel that way. It's maybe because you feel like you're being left out in the cold. You feel embarrassed. You feel disconnected. You feel neglected. You feel abandoned. And when you can understand what that's really about, you can get to the root of how you connect your emotions to situations. And you become more aware and more tolerant of your own reactions too. (laughs) And you don't beat yourself up. But you also become more cognizant of how you make those connections to people because you know what the reactions are. So again, it's not about masking. It's about understanding. It's not about masking. It's It's about about asking yourself where are these emotions coming from so that you can know where you're going to Do you know where you're coming from? (sighs) All right. Next question. Question for side effects of feels. Ugh, I really hate feelings sometimes, but here it goes. When you're out in this crazy world of dating, how do you protect your feels, but at the same time, be emotionally available? I feel like it's literally an impossible battle. It's a battle. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible. I mean, I think it's really just understanding like, What your feelings are attached to like your feelings are attached to a desire to want something And then what gets tricky is when that person looks like they could fulfill that desire You start rewriting those feelings to that desire to that person And that's where it gets tricky Because at the end of the day you can't really and you shouldn't really do that Until that person has presented to you the ability to actually meet that desire and that's where we fuck up We be thinking one little thing means that they're going to meet that desire and it's not true It's not true, but we'd be like so thirsty and so hungry and so deserving of that desire that we're just like, yeah, yeah, reroute, reroute. And it's like, nah, they got to earn that reroute. And so many of us feel like we're playing games if we make them earn that reroute, that we are being a tease. And it's not if you're doing it in a way that's fair to you and fair to that person. So- You feel like you're playing games, you're being a tease if you're not just completely being open. And the thing is about what are you being open to? Listen, I'm talking to y'all because this is literally what I've been going through in in my breakthroughs right now. And understanding that you can be open to this person possibly fulfilling that desire without necessarily being open to them having access to all of your emotions, And it is a battle because it's like so precise of a mindfuck for a lot of us. But it really is helpful when you're able to say like, I'm coming to this with an open mind. And all that open mind means is you're going to allow this person to demonstrate to you. It doesn't mean that you are going to give everything to this person. They haven't deserved that. They haven't earned that. What you're giving to them is the availability for them to show that. And for what it's worth, they're giving you the same thing. Ideally. They're giving you the availability to demonstrate your willingness to be a part of something. And you both have to show each other through action, through consistency, through, you know, through, through action that is supported by words, through words that is supported by action, whether or not that can continue. Oftentimes, though, what happens is we ignore those things because we just want this desire to happen. So my suggestion is you protect your feelings by attaching them to something that is not run by this other person. You determine your desire, not that person. But when you attach your feelings to that person, that person controls them. And if you're attaching your feelings to them, it's gonna be a doozy because they're gonna be controlling your feelings to a certain extent. But Amanda, what about once you get in the relationship and you attach your feelings to that person, then what? The truth of the matter is, is that your feelings should never be completely ruled by anybody but you. People can influence your feelings, people can have a point of view, but for what it's worth, like someone's behavior should never be like your bottom line. You are always in control of you, and they're always in control of them. And in that respect, you have a regard and a consideration for how you manage your feelings and how you manage their feelings. Last question. I'm from Florida, Miami to be exact. Shout to the MIA 305, they can. But been living in New York City. How do you deal with the anger of seeing friends and family out and about with no mask and in large groups without coming off angry or bitter? Because when I call out my people for being reckless, they say I'm being bitter because New York has been locked down since March. Um, they're being idiots. So how do you deal with it? You deal with it by knowing that your families are, are idiots and they're weaponizing your concern against you, which is some trash shit. Your anger is valid. I don't like this whole idea of like being angry is a fear. Anger is based on fear, et cetera, et cetera. I don't like that because you know what? A lot of anger is fucking righteous anger and it's noble. And it's really just you expressing displeasure with something from a real valid place. You know, if you're angry at them because you are upset, you are hurt that they are willing to put themselves in jeopardy, that's not you being bitter. That's you being caring. And maybe, you know, they want it presented in a nice, sweet, compassionate way. But oftentimes it just seems like, you know, you can present things that way. Sure. But- as you become more passionately aware of a situation, it is going to hurt you more. And I'm sorry, but the more you're hurt, the more you're not supposed to be. I don't think that the more someone hurts you, the more you should be expected to be like, you know, it's fine. Da, 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 da. Like, and I know that may be contradictory to what I was saying earlier, because really having an emotional intelligence doesn't mean that you're calm all the goddamn time. It just means that you know exactly why you're reacting a certain way and you're able to verbalize it you know, and you're able to do it in a way that isn't about hurting someone's feelings. You can be angry without hurting someone's feelings. You can express, this makes me upset. This hurts me. This affects me in a way that makes my blood boil without saying, motherfucker. (laughs) You can be passionate with someone without necessarily having to be derogatory. And, you know, there is to me a limit to yelling. I mean, I'm not saying that yelling is okay, But I'm saying this, sometimes you're just like, I got to get this out. I got to get it out. I got to get it out. Now, when you're yelling at someone and you're telling them, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you know, you're not going to get the result you want oftentimes because that just makes people kind of shudder. But I don't think this makes you seem bitter that you've been in New York since March and you know, you've had to be on lockdown and they're out there doing their thing. I think what it makes you seem is somebody who's been in a city that's taken this thing seriously, and you're wishing that they were doing the same thing because maybe then we'd have a better outcome. People I like. Yeah. Today's people I like is James Baldwin. James Baldwin is an author, a philosopher of sorts, an icon and a legend, a playwright a political activist, a social activist, a black man, an uncle, a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. And he is, I would say one of the closest things I have to like someone that I idolize as a influence on how I Carry about my own work and my own life. And much of this is because what James was able to do in his work was speak so eloquently and so honestly about not just the facts of his time and his era, you know, throughout the civil rights movement, the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, but but really doing so in the space of the feelings of that time. And that's what to me is so unique because. I always say that historians speak about the facts of a time, but it's the poets and it's the artists that speak about the feelings of a time. And when it's all said and done, we really have to have a record of how the people actually felt because that's why shit happened and that's how shit happened. And so often I feel like folks forget that. You can really talk about like this thing in chronological order but the reason why these things happened is 9 times out of 10 because there were feelings that took place that catapulted each thing and were the momentum behind these outcomes when we look at what's going on right now in our nation and the world you know the 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 true racism 20 it's covid-19 racism 20 of things is based on the fact that for all intents and purposes the what I call not a perfect storm, but the synergy of sin of the murder of Ahmad Aubrey in Cold Blood, of the the nefariousness of Amy Cooper calling the cops on, on Chris Cooper in the park, and the sheer tyranny of officer, police officer shalvin holding his knee to George Floyd's neck as he suffocated and lost life right in front of our eyes. That synergy of sin evoked a Eruption of consciousness and also a deeply impacted emotional response from people who, for all intents and purposes, tapped into a place of empathy and compassion for Black folks that they had never seen or considered before in mass. And that brought us to where we are now. And I do feel like some of that is because they were in their own weakness and their own vulnerability due to COVID 19. And that opened a gateway to having an awareness and empathy for these people that they never probably even truly considered before. And even if they had, it still elevated that attachment to that emotion. But what James Baldwin did in his work is he spoke so eloquently and intellectually about how all of these things were affecting him emotionally. And for me in this era, that really has helped to give me a blueprint and a guideline to the work that I am doing and the necessity and the importance of that work, because it creates a watershed and a catharsis for so many folks who may not have the words to express their feelings and their emotion, but are able to gain the intellectualism of their feelings and emotion through the words that I have found to define my own and those around me. So... You know, watching I Am Not Your Negro and reading, you know, notes on the Native Sun and Giovanni's Room and The Fire Next Time and Beale Street, when Bill Street talks, and all of these things that he has put on paper, they're not just like some social commentary or political activism that's coming from an anthropological and statistical point of view that brings together information to prove a point and a thesis. Yes, it does have elements of that, but ultimately what it's about is him saying that as a person in these times, these statistics and this information and these studies, they are all representative of these experiences that me and many others are having and the feelings that come out of them are what are driving us to know that there needs to be change. That, that one, one time? time. <laughs> I gotta tell you, it feels like I wanna say so much more on this topic because you know, when it comes to feelings, you know, there's such a deep, deep well here. Like we haven't even really talked about, you know, just the understanding of the uniqueness of having feelings in different gender spaces and how for so long women have been understood and expected to have feelings, but men are not expected to have feelings. And, you know, when we come into this space of that one time, you know, I I find myself thinking about just how many times I've been told like, you know, you're being emotional and that that's a bad thing. And I was going to do a story about how this woman that was sleeping in my laundry room in my old building, she like, I I walked in on her sleeping in the laundry room and was like, are you okay? And like, she woke up and started tripping on me. And she was, she was like friends with someone I used to date in the building. And she started telling me how like, I'm too emotional and I'm so emotional because I had expressed to her friends who was the person's cousin that I had feelings for them and that I love them and that, that that person was just like not on point. And she was like, you too emotional, you too emotional. And I was like, well, for the record, my emotions are literally how I've made my living. <laughs> my, knowing my emotions and trusting my emotions and understanding them and continuing to grow and understand them is how I've managed to create a life for myself. And, and, and in that process, how I've been able to encourage other people to create a life for themselves or to to change their life, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, in other words, fuck Thank you, you. Um, you know, in trying to weaponize my feelings against me because I am proud of the fact that I have been encouraged all my life to be in touch with my feelings. But- The bigger conversation I want to have around this too is, without leaving this out in this episode, is just the importance of men and people who identify themselves as men allowing themselves to truly give space for the full expansion of and spectrum of their feelings, not just a short runway. You know, I think there's men who allow themselves to feel anger. They allow themselves to feel lust. You know, they allow themselves to feel excitement or triumph. Um, but they don't allow themselves to feel disappointment. They don't allow themselves to feel vulnerability. They don't allow themselves to feel compassion because for, for whatever reason, having those feelings at one point in time was either weaponized against them or the result of those feelings caused pain for them. And there was a shut off that they said, like, I'm not going to feel those feelings again. And I just, it creates such an incredibly painful chasm in the ability for relationships, whether they're romantic or personal or even professional. And when I say personal, I just don't, I don't mean just personal in terms of friends. I mean, personal in terms of your own relationship with yourself, because you're afraid of your own fucking feelings. When you're afraid of your own feelings, you're literally afraid of yourself and and you will stop yourself from experiencing things that could be so positive. That could be so, um, Enlightening and empowering and effective. And I had an ex say to me, You know, I can't talk to you because you make me feel. And I can't have feelings right now. And it was just really distressing to me to hear him really mean it that, like, he just doesn't want to feel. He wants to be numb. He wants to be disconnected. He wants to not have to be in that space. And I remembered. I've heard this from men in the past, because for whatever reason, having to feel means having to be responsible for other people's feelings. It means having to be responsible for your own actions. It means having to be accountable. And ultimately, it means having to face where those feelings came from, and you may not be ready to do so. Because then when you face that, you may have to face that you were traumatized by people that you don't want to hold accountable or you know that you went through something that may feel embarrassing or shameful and it's just it's deep y'all it's deep it's so deep because those are at the root of how we connect and it prevents us from being able to connect in real ways if we're not having real connections we're not really building anything for real you know we're making we're, we're building on shaky ground and it's 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 the reason why so many of us find ourselves single. It's the reason why so many of us find ourselves isolating ourselves. For both reasons on both sides of that coin, right? Cuz some of it is because you can't connect to anybody because nobody's trying to connect and for some of it it's because you don't connect to anybody because you're afraid to connect. And again, I'll take it back to like our feelings are the language of our soul. Our feelings are the expression of our our soul. And if we suppress them, when I said earlier that they're like the vibrations of our of ourselves, it's like when you suppress them, it's like you're tasing yourself. That's what it's like. It's like you're turning it in on yourself and tasing yourself. And what does a taser do? It paralyzes. So it's paralyzing you from moving forward. Anybody who's listening to this right now, you know if you are afraid to feel. You know if you think that your feelings cause you to go down roads that are Dangerous and that are, um, you know, very disconcerting and can b- lead you into depression. You know that, which is why you have to dedicate yourself to getting a greater understanding of those feelings because you are limiting yourself. And I want you to find a way to find the courage and the bravery to know that you deserve everything. You deserve all the goodness. And if you're limiting your feelings, you're limiting your access to that. Yes, Lando, you deserve goodness too. And you, you have to face yourself. And it's like the hardest thing ever. But so many of us have been told that our feelings don't matter. We've been told that our feelings are, you know, a problem, that our feelings are uh, invalid, particularly black folks. And that will 1 million percent make you say, well, then I need to find a different way to manage this. And a lot of times it'll say that this doesn't have value, so I'm not going to give attention to it. And it's wrong. Just because someone didn't give it value doesn't mean it wasn't valuable. And as we continue on this journey of doing this show, as we continue on our own personal journeys, just remember that you can give value to anything. Ideally, you want to give value to things that enrich you and that enlighten you and that inspire you. So sometimes people treat you in ways that make you feel a certain way. And you might say, like, I don't want to give into that feeling because, you know, they don't deserve to have that. Sometimes, though, it is enriching, it is inspiring, and it is empowering to be able to acknowledge that hurt me and be able to feel that and be able to say, like, and I don't want to have that anymore. And that right there gives you a feeling of, aha, aha. I'm in it. I'm running things. You're not the boss of me. The last dose. This is an ongoing conversation, and we're going to have to do a part two at some point, you know, with a therapist or just with somebody else. But I definitely want to speak more about just specifically Black men and feelings because within our community, culturally, feelings, particularly for Black men, are considered to be a weapon, a negative, a sign of weakness. When it comes to Black women, we are often expected not to have feelings and we're told we have to be a strong Black woman and I can't cry because that means I'm not strong. When when it really boils down to it, vulnerability is the strongest thing that you can have because what vulnerability says is that Yes. I have feelings. Yes. I can express them if I choose. I can also not choose to express them. I can know what causes them and what doesn't cause them. And at the end of the day, I also know that I am solid in who I am and that whoever's trying to play me, even if they invoke feelings of sadness or disappointment, the fact of the matter is they can't play me because I'm in control of my feelings. And those same feelings can also be shifted to feelings of empowerment, shifted to feelings of hope, and shifted to feelings of truth. And a lot of times, Anybody trying to play you, fuck that, not a lot of times, every time anybody's trying to play you, they're not coming from a place of truth. So you can throw that shit right out the window off rip and say, you know what, what I know is you You want want some some bullshit." bullshit. That's the whole truth. And when you know that, you allow yourself the freedom of vulnerability and you allow yourself the freedom of not having to keep up the walls that are supposed to keep people out from your feelings, but that inevitably keep you from getting in touch with those feelings. And those feelings are the best part of you. They're your language, they're your truth, and they lead you to your purpose. So let's get into feelings. If you haven't already been in all the feelings because of the quarantine, let's start now. Feelings, nothing more than feelings, feelings of love.
1: I was wondering if you were going to touch on this and I'm I'm not surprised that you did, but the, I've been seeing a lot of um, things on Twitter and Instagram of like, um, let black girls be soft, like that thing. And I, it's a concept that like, I literally never thought about it before uh, and I feel bad about that, but it's just like that whole concept of like, that there's this stereotype and this ex- expectation of toughness and of like, people are uh, like, aging up young like young black girls are expected to are are perceived older and expected to take on so much more burden emotional burden and and like for literally no reason other than like ingrained I, I mean racism but like ingrained um
0: but it's cultural too
1: it's called it, yeah it, it's cultural too but it's cultural almost in a reflexive way as like to protect against yes. this it's like the way that doctors treat black exactly. women the way that um the way that journalists photojournalists treat black women the way that like you see these like young black girls at protests like they shouldn't even have to be there like nope. and, and it's like and all these people are being like stop emotionally fetishizing this image and making it like this girl shouldn't have to be a martyr to like, she shouldn't even be there. She should be at a playground. Like, it's so crazy that like, I mean, that's it not, really, yeah. It's it, like but really you really, discussion. you know,
0: and I talk about it in small doses, the book where there's this idea that like telling somebody that, that you make them feel like they're a strong black woman is a, is a compliment. And All it's right. like, you know, no one wants to have to be that. Right. Um, Because when they're talking about a strong black woman, what they're talking about is like you're unshaken. You right. know, you are you, you can are handle unfettered. All of
1: it. Yeah,
0: you can handle anything. And it's like I don't want to have to handle everything. I don't want to have to right. be completely impervious. And oftentimes that's how you feel. And right. and the and in in my own relationship, you know, I really realized in my own relationship that. I have never had an advocate. Um, I I, I mean, there's my mom, but even talking to my mom while I was in quarantine, I always felt like I needed to handle my own shit. Whenever like stuff went down at school or whatever, I would never involve her. And then she would be like, like I want to be, and I'd be like, no, no. Like my mom had to defy me to come and like speak to the principal about them being on some fuck shit. You know, like there was always this feeling of like, no, I need to handle this. I need to handle this. And why do you think you had that? Well, I think because early on I was in spaces where I had to be independent early and, you know, whether it was because I was a child actor, um, or just simply because my mother was working and I was alone. Like I, you know, I was a latchkey right. kid, I right. just right. always felt like I needed to have a certain level of independence and security. And when I would be doing like the show, my brother and me, these kids' parents are there all day. My mom isn't there. Like I'm, my mom is at work. I'm at work and my mom is at work, you know? And so I have to like really be my own advocate. And that ends up coming into like, when I moved to New York, I'm by myself. I'm in New York. I'm in hip hop. I'm in hip hop by myself. in hip hop, I, you know, someone had told me before, like, oh, hip hop has hardened you, but they said it like it was my fault. And like, you know, you need to undo that. And it's like, Like, I literally had a friend tell me, like, the reason you can't get a man is because you act so much like a guy, you know, and you're just too hard. And I was like, first and foremost, fuck you. But there is truth to the fact that I don't like the idea of, like, you can't get a man because you act like a guy. But it's more so that I have always had to feel like I needed to be on the defense at all times and protect myself at all times because I did have to.
1: Right. Right. So it pers- wasn't like a
0: figment. Right. So people don't feel like you need
1: them. And sometimes a partner wants to feel like you need them.
0: And, and for what it's worth, it's not even necessarily, I think almost, cause I don't want nobody to think I need them.
1: Like I right. think oh,
0: you should want me and I should right. want you. Right. But I think it's more so like them feeling like I'm always ready to pounce. Um, right. And, and me having a certain level of readiness, feeling like they're always ready to pounce. Like I know in my last relationship, you know it has it had a lot of other things to going on, but one of the things that was happening early on was us protecting ourselves from each other, you know, and just like you know so you're just doing this like circling each other thing that isn't helpful to either of you, but you think you're doing what you need to do to be independent and to protect yourself, but really what you're doing is just carrying forth this behavior of like I need to be strong because no one's gonna p- take care of me and I don't expect anyone to take care of me, but I also expect for them not to be careless with me. And so that's been what I've come to understand is like what I'm looking for in a relationship. Like, I don't need you to take care of me, but I need you to be careful. And I need to be able to express that to somebody in a way that isn't repellent. So it's not like I'm pushing you away so that you can't hurt me. Because I don't even want to say like I'm being protective. It's more just me being observational, you know, and I don't think I ever really have put that much energy into being observational of that, you know, like how careful are you being with me? You know, how, how thoughtful are you being with me and with my feelings and with my time and, and really spotting that early on and being able to say like, this is not for me. And, and really when it boils down to it, it really ends up being like, how careful and how thoughtful are they being with themselves? Cause that's the real telltale sign to see how they're going to be with you. And I just think you need time. And maybe that's really the skeleton key is like, you're not being protective of yourself. You're just being observational of what they are with themselves. You know, it, like, it's,
1: well, it's, it's empathetic emotional intelligence, like we were talking about earlier. Instead of being self reflexive and viewing your own, like your own reactions, you're also viewing how people, like the more complex second order reactions of emotions and personalities coming into interaction with each other.
0: I mean, my astrologist that said to me two years ago, she was like, you need people who are givers, not takers. She was like, but I don't want you to be running from the takers. I just want you to be open to the givers. And I didn't really fully understand what she meant by that, but what she mean, but that's what she means. Like, don't be like on the defense um, where you're like, no, no, no. Where you're like just having your walls up, yeah,
1: but, but don't not be just on be offense. More,
0: yeah. Just be more offense. Like, Oh, I'm here. I'm here for this. Oh, I'm not that's fine. You know, okay, I'm here for this. No, I'm not. That's fine. And I think that I inadvertently have been so ardent about protecting my feelings, um, from anyone who's going to fuck them up that it ends up putting up a guard that hides the honesty of my true self, which is someone who actually at her core is empathetic and gentle and, and wants to just be relaxed in that, not on edge to protect that. A, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.